Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cave of the Cross Projects. I'm Patrick. I'm Tony. And uh, we're digging into our book, uh, What About Evil? Uh, Defense of God's God's Sovereign Glory mm-hmm. by uh, Scott Christensen. And um, we kind of did the prelude and we had Dr. Anderson come on to sort of keep our mind fresh about uh, what we talked about when concerning the Christian worldview. And now we're digging into kind of what one of his other book series does but we're doing the, the longer book, right? And right. Uh, we're we're taking a look at well the bigger book. <laughs> d- right. d- does does Christianity does God Himself offer us an explanation to why is there so much evil and suffering in the world? Yeah. What do we do about that? And we we look up out upon creation and we see is God um, uh, you know invalid to 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 overcome our free will and, and what's happened is the, is it really the devil versus God? And they're in a big, uh, you know, arm it's wrestling match. Dualistic fight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you got the devil on your shoulder and the angel on your shoulder and, yeah. you know, they're fighting, uh, via Bugs Bunny. Um, <laughs> or is there, is there some reason that all this is happening? And so, uh, that's what, uh, that's what Scott Christensen is, is, uh, putting forth and great thing. If you watched the last episode with it, he's already given us not only a breakdown chapter by chapter of what the book is about, the answer, yeah, and the reason yeah. for the answer, yeah, yeah. pretty good. So, Hi- so, yeah. Hiding the answer in the front of the book, so <laughs> so uh, you've done it, you've completed the book, and now it's just filler from here. Uh, and so uh, we're starting with uh, chapter two, the Odyssey and the crisis of our secular age. And uh, the first time I, I read this, I I um, put it out on Twitter that uh, I really enjoyed this chapter because. This did what uh, I, I've uh, I was in a metaphysics class, and uh, I'm you have to present some of the articles, and uh, one of the articles I chose, of course, was the defense of God. Mm-hmm. But the, the the one article that I did, which was like twelve pages, six of the pages covered everything that I learned in my intro to philosophy class, and I was like, oh, this is really neat. <laughs> and so here, Scott Christensen does what I took a full semester and hundreds of dollars to do. He condenses into one chapter the modern worldview, yeah, and he yeah. does it from kind of that perspective yeah. of and, and then he, and an then, evil insight. Yeah, and, he, and then he gives us uh, uh, some uh, reasons, I guess, why the modern worldview is in the predicament that it's in. Right? Mm-hmm. Why we're you know we have a uh, there's meaninglessness that you know is uh, is all over the place and prevails, and so he's gonna he's gonna talk about the crisis of our uh, secular age, yeah. right? I've, I've seen more people be open to talking about um, kind of how the Enlightenment, how we kind of think, oh, the Enlightenment brought us all these things. But some um, people that I've been reading about recently um, have been calling that into question, which is ironic because the Enlightenment age called into question tra- tradition, and now yeah. we're calling back into Enlightenment <laughs> age. So it. Everything's circular, especially in science. You, this is the revolution part, and so uh, for uh, the, the Marxist or the the anarchist, the the good or the bad anarchist, um, uh, hopefully you'll uh, enjoy this chapter because uh, I certainly did uh, going through it. And so uh, he starts out this chapter with, with talking about this uh, really famous earthquake in 1755 in, in Lisbon, a Lisbon earthquake. Uh, it's it was measured at 8.5, 9.1 on the magnitude scale, which is is huge. It's it's devastating uh lisbon laid in ruin for nearly six years the wow. devastation extended far beyond the city affecting some uh, p- close to six million uh, square miles of the earth's surface uh, you know big 
big, 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 making an unprecedented disaster. All in all, some 30,000 to 40,000 people died with little to no warning. And so uh, that that's where he um, yeah. launches off. So he says the toll of the Great Lisbon earthquake could not be limited, though, just to the lives claims and the material destruction that it wrought. It shook the world in far more devastating uh, ways, right? It, uh, it, it, it's, it, um, people began to view things in a different light as a result of this earthquake. For the first time since Christianity had transformed the Western world, God came under a broad, serious public assault uh, for the problem of pain, evil, and suffering, he tells us. Lisbon put cracks in the West's longstanding confidence in a wise, powerful, benevolent God. Philosophers, theologians, professors, statesmen, pastors, priests, men of letters were all asking the same questions, right? Which were, did the creator care about the deaths of innocent people? Could he hear the cries of, des- uh, you know, of desperation when disaster hit? Why did he not prevent this disaster in the first place? So it, it uh, allowed people to begin to question the Christian worldview and their mm-hmm. view of God and their view of God's, you know, mercy and goodness and grace and that sort of thing. You know, the basic problem of evil, why does God allow this to right. happen? Right? right, and and here's a natural disaster is what we would yeah. call it. So there's no... Uh, terroristic element you can't point to well you know here's man's uh, ultimate view of, right. of evil embodied in this group of people right. that so that would be a moral evil, evil right? sure so there's a distinction here between natural evil and moral evil right. and this would be a natural evil is what it's mm-hmm. usually called as opposed to when we kill each other which <laughs> is a moral evil <laughs> right. Right? yeah but there it's different <laughs> yeah um and so uh, if if you're kind of wanting to get a, a, a flavor of, of this as well um, I did for uh, Revive uh, uh, Studios. Uh, they had um, uh, John Gill was a, a, a preacher, and there was this big storm. And uh, I think uh, several years later, on on an anniversary, he uh, has a sermon that talks about that. So he did, he covers just a little bit of kind of the problem of evil, but he ties it in uh, to Jesus' own ministry and mm. um, the the need for faith, the need for trust uh, with within the understanding of that. <clears throat> and um, and so I'll include the link at that below. But this kind of has that same one where that storm was localized to um, to Britain. Here, you know, it it had as, as we were talking about um, ramifications that philosophers and scientists and just people had of uh, where was God in all this, yeah, or why yeah. did He allow this to happen? Yeah, yeah. So uh, the. Section the Enlightenment attack on biblical theism. Here, mm-hmm. here, here's the the clash of worldviews that uh, that uh, we're always kind of uh, uh, wanting to highlight. The Lisbon earthquake came at a moment in history as the Enlightenment was coming to prominence. The Enlightenment has marked the most uh, momentous shift in uh, Western civilization since the advent of Christianity in the first century, which I think is fairly certain. Uh, Christianity, uh, there, there's uh, uh, the Bible passage of um, these men turn the world upside down and. The, the fall of the Roman Empire is, uh, you know, it was it was such a solidifying uh, uh, movement, uh, a regime, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all leads, uh, all roads led to Rome is incredibly accurate. Mm-hmm. The language unified the entire earth. If you didn't yeah, yeah. speak the language, you could be killed easily because of how much. And then overexpansion, uh, it split into two kingdoms, which... Uh, the, I'm sure the Jews viewed in some some capacity as, as irony there, um, and so uh, you had Christianity kind of 
fill the void right. uh, uh, that, that it shouldn't have. you know, in the fourth century when Constantine kind of, uh, you know, said, hey, we're going to make Rome a Christian country basically yeah. right at least stop killing them for a while yeah. that, that would be nice yeah and so then things began to take off and right yeah, for the next i don't know a thousand years right or, or so mm-hmm. uh, more actually uh, christianity was the worldview it ruled how people's thoughts especially in the west mm-hmm. and so uh you you also had uh, you know uh not just secularism kind of a highlight here but you had kind of the reformation point as well and and uh, wanting to uh, advantes go back to the sources and and you had kind of the idea of well you can't just trust the the experts anymore you you kind of have to figure out for yourself and so all these things um, I, I I wish I had a good book to, to recommend to you maybe I, I will in the, in the comment section on the enlightenment just how important it is uh, but uh, but picking up uh, even going through probably Wikipedia or finding a good video on the enlightenment uh, would help you if, if you'd uh, don't know much about this this moment in history, but uh, it's it's definitely a, a, a um, kind of a, a a match strike within history uh, of of at least our, our modern world. So the Enlightenment would change how people thought not only about God but about man, creation, morality. Mm-hmm. Uh, science became uh, really prominent here. Uh, uh, you know, classifying things, um, uh, putting things into kingdoms and phylums and all those things uh, really kind of honed out here. It would radically alter theology, epistemology, science, and ethics. Its conception of God stripped him of virtually all he has revealed of himself in Scripture instead of equally transcendent and imminent personal God to whom we owe everything. He was regarded merely as an abstract supreme being who dealt with his cosmos and his creatures through impersonal uh, secondary causes. And so, um, you know, the the, uh, deism kind of uh, comes here um, Every founding fathers claimed, oh, they weren't Christian, they were deists. And I think, on one hand, Christians tend to overclaim Christianity, but also deists, or, or people that want to push for a deistic uh, idea. Overclaim for founding, that. Overclaim right? that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, you know, everyone hates that, um, you know, Thomas Jefferson uh, exacto knifed his Bible away. But then you also have to realize he's he's trying to um, take that scripture to, to people like the uh, Native Americans who uh, could understand it easier, and he was trying to. He thought he was helping God in a little bit of trying yeah. to get the get the highfalutin miracles out of the way. <laughs> so it, you know, looking at history not just as oh well, did you know? Uh, okay, we need to kind of take a, a good general overview and going back to the sources, uh, taking primary sources uh, really helps in that. So that's a little aside preaching. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, with the biblical God relegated to the periphery of, uh, you know, of the, of the ideas and that sort of thing because of the influence of the Enlightenment, man became the measure of all things in the Enlightenment. The Enlightenment took the idolizing of man to the extreme, right? Human reason, as opposed to divine revelation, right, right began to revolt uh, uh, against its place of subservient uh, to divine revelation, and, uh, and and it eventually replaced it altogether. So now reason rules as opposed to what God has to say. Reason was no longer explained and corrected by revelation. Instead, it became hostile to biblical truth, resulting in the rise of the historical critical method uh, that sought to erode the inspiration, authority, and sufficiency of Scripture. So what we moved from then in the uh, pre-Enlightenment time was a situation where, uh, at least in the West, where revelation 
was, you know, was our source of knowledge and everything else, right? Uh, the divine revelation, so the scriptures. And then the Enlightenment said, well, wait a minute, you know, uh, our reasoning, we can reason. In fact, uh, Thomas Aquinas tried to put this revelation and reason together when mm-hmm. he got a hold of Aristotle, right? And, uh, you know, because he argued that, hey, you know, why is it that, that secular people can have knowledge? And he said, well, it's because God has given everybody this capacity to reason, yeah. right? And so reason then began to take over. And, of course, the Enlightenment time, Kant and others, uh, uh, you know, emphasized that uh, reason was king, sure. as it were. It yeah. was superior. It was, the, it was the main source of knowledge, right? right. Yeah, we, we went from in the beginning God or had God said to then, I think, therefore I am. Yeah. You know, Descartes' famous uh, summation of three days in a cabin that upends the world there too. And so, uh, you know, you ha- you have that 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 sh- shift. And um, and uh, Descartes, un- unfortunately, the the Roman Catholic himself. Uh, I don't know if he knew <laughs> the the influence that he he would have, but uh, um, uh, there's his place in history. Uh, So as a result of all of this, uh, divine revelation took a blow. Mm. All truth claims about religious faith are subject no longer to what God might say, but to human reason. Mm. If I I can't think it, then what good is having this outside source? It it needs to originate from me or I need to understand it, something along those lines. The dismantling of the Christian theistic foundation for epistemology, that's that's the theory of knowledge, how we how we know things, mm-hmm. and science meant the same for ethics. Mm-hmm. Why why should we do things? Why ought we do things? Whoa, whoa, what are, th- what are shoulds and oughts there as well? Uh, the Enlightenment sought to ground ethics in something other than God. Ethics is in the so-called age of reason began to be rooted in the notion of universal rational principles, not in a sovereign and virtuous God. So uh, th- there you have, uh, uh, I mean, Aristotle, the forms, uh, idealism uh, coming through and, and all that. Yeah. And so his next section, he uh, entitles uh, Lisbon and Knights, the uh, Modern Crisis of uh, Theology, right? And uh, he says, the trail of the Enlightenment um, to the present post-Christian era in the West is littered with tragic attempts to find meaning without the true God, right? So he says, perhaps no one highlighted the mounting doubts about the power and goodness of God in the face of evil as much as uh, Voltaire. Uh, In the wake of the Lisbon earthquake, Voltaire questioned the optimism, especially promoted by Leibniz, right? Our good friend Gottfried (laughs) Wilhelm Leibniz, right? Right. And his idea of uh, the best of all possible worlds, theodicy, where God, you know, this is the best of all possible worlds, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and and we covered that uh, a little bit, and on the bottom of the screen, I'll 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 remind us from time to time uh, what the what those are the the six that uh, uh, Christensen presents as different theodicy. Yeah, he gives us a summary here, yeah. right? According to Leibniz, uh, an all wise God would create only that world that He would deem best. Okay, uh, thus any imperfections, i.e., uh, moral and natural natural evils contained in such world would have to have some optimally good purpose that outweighed any apparent ill effects. Right. So just, uh, you know, um, in, in order for um, uh, humans to live, uh, we have to breathe air. Uh, one of the, the, the nasty things about air is it's got pollution in it. In order for mankind to survive and continue to survive, uh, they'd have to find heat sources. Uh, burning things is detrimental. 
therefore um, uh, people get some form of cancer or sickness of the lungs and uh, would die as a result. Well, okay, it's because we breathe air. Well, no, that's just the best possible. That that was the 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 best means for us to continue on in some fashion, so that the the world could exist. And um, it's a it's a poor attempt to to try and point to that, but yeah. that that would be a, a kind of a even though we would have death by pollution, uh, we'd still be able to breathe, which is uh, a good because we continue to survive. In, in that uh, environment. Therefore, Leibniz uh, argued that for the best of all possible worlds to come about, evil is necessary. Yeah, so so the idea here, and we saw it earlier, as you mentioned, right, that God is perfect. And so if this is the world that God, a perfect God created, and it has evil in it, then obviously a perfect good God, uh, somehow the evil accomplishes a good purpose for a perfect perfectly good God, Mm -hmm. right? That's basically what he said. So this has to be the best of all worlds because it was created by God who is perfect and good, right? And so if this world contains evil, then obviously evil has some good uh, purposes because a perfectly good God created this world. That's the basic idea, right? That's what he's getting at here. And so if, if, if you're around people who develop systems for a, a living. Um, I've been uh, watching some alternative history on uh, the moon landings and, and a really good show there. And I've been uh, picking up uh, uh, real life things that, that uh, happened. And just, uh, we, we, we all knew that we were going to go to the moon via these giant rockets that, that had so much um, blasting power. And then once you got there with the rocket, you need to blast off from the surface of the moon. That's that's it's it's depicted in all the old serials that you watch with with the guys with big metal helmets. And so they're trying to develop this system of, OK, this is how we know it's happening. And so here's this guy that comes along and says, no, no, no let's do like a two stage rocket. Let's shoot, shoot up uh, this thing that we'll, we'll uh, relay with. We use less um, um, fuel that way. And so, oh, OK, that kind of solved the problem. But uh, that book, which I'll include for uh, anyone that wants to read it was really interesting just to show the the mindset and trying to get something moving like um you know nasa just just to get two two dudes in a metal container to <laughs> a, a, a another world here god is creating an entire new world and he's got to fit everything together so that it, it works out well so according to Leibniz, uh, this this all-wise God would create only a world that he would deem best. Uh, and so his optimism, however, was interrupted with a, a satirical disdain. So yeah. Leibniz was. Yeah, they uh, they made um, they made uh, actually uh, poems right out of it. <laughs> um, on page twenty-four, it says, "All's well." So he's uh, this is uh, Voltaire's. Uh, you know, kind of satirical uh, criticism of Leibniz, right? All's well, you say, and all is necessary. So these, that's what Leibniz says, right? All's well, and all, you say, and all is necessary. Thank you, this universe had been the worst without the hellish gift of golf and Portugal. Are ye so sure the great eternal cause that knows all things and for itself creates could not have placed us in this dreary cline without volcanoes Seizing near our feet. Right? Yeah. Are you sure? Volcanoes Leibniz, must right? happen. It's a necessary yeah. evil. Right. So and it's the best possible world to include volcanoes. Yeah. And so uh and so, you know, he he's suggesting here that um 
there's a it created a crisis here with mm -hmm. regard to this theodicy.